The scripture for today is from the book of Matthew, um, chapter 6 and chapter 14. Before we pray God's word, or before we read God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as you taught us, your kingdom come and your will be done. Humble our hearts in this moment and prepare us to hear your word. Open our hearts to what you want us to learn. Guide Matt as he preaches, and let this all be for your glory. Praise be to Christ. Amen. Hear the word of God from the book of Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And now we're moving into chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. God is gracious to us. Most humans uh, desire to pray. Most humans do pray. Um, French mystic said that uh, what draws us to prayer, and I'm paraphrasing, is, is beauty and suffering. Oftentimes, those are the things that draw us to long to connect with God. And yet we're given such guidance. Jesus gives order to our prayers. God gives order to our disordered selves in humanity. I think in our natural tendencies, we would either demand things from him, longing to manipulate him the way Jesus described those who pray the wrong way right before the Lord's Prayer, or we would despair. Does he even hear us? Does he care? I think we would doubt or we would trust in ourselves through religious means in prayer. And he is so gracious to teach us a better way. 
left up to your devices, when would you start asking him for stuff? When in the order of the prayer, right? This is the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. For many of us, and for me, it's different days. Like on some days, that'd be my, my first prayer would be give, like give me the things. Some days it would be the last, or maybe I would just leave it out. I love this about Jesus, and I hope that you do too. It's right in the middle, because it's not about you, but you're not forgotten. You're called into something far larger than your own story, but your own story matters deeply to God, and he knows all, he knows all of the ins and the outs of it. You have daily needs for provision, for protection, for spiritual good in the world, for help avoiding temptation and pursuing righteousness. And right in the middle of the prayer, Jesus encourages us to ask. He's gracious to tell us how to pray and why. Why? Do you know why we pray biblically? To receive the reward. What's the reward? Jesus. What does that actually look like in our life? The kingdom. Righteousness, joy, peace. Jesus tells us where to pray. Not exclusively. It's not bad to not to pray other than in your room. But it's not as intimate. It's not as good for our hearts. It's a both and. False dichotomy alert, right? I had a professor in seminary, anytime you said or, he would say, are those mutually exclusive and comprehensively exhausted? And we were all like, not in masters, masters of logic and masters of divinity, but he was right. When Jesus tells us where to pray, he's not condemning us when we don't pray there, but he's showing us a way to pray in such a way that our hearts will receive rest and peace. Jesus tells us who to pray to. It's not an amorphous deity. It's not an exaggerated human like so many of the uh, religion, the historic religions, ones that are no longer really with us. It's to a good father who's as nurturing as any mother, Psalm 131, and is strong in a kind way as much as if not far, far more so than any good father. And the implication is that we pray this as often as we're able. We see Jesus pray so many times in his earthly ministry, and yet we don't know nearly, if you're like me, don't know nearly as much about his earthly ministry as we wish that we did. There are several allusions to it throughout the scriptures that there are a lot of things that he said that weren't written down. And the implication then, both by how he lived his life and here in Matthew 6, is that we pray often. And Jesus encourages us to ask. In the first service, uh, we had a guest preacher who I won't name because he doesn't want to be live-streamed, and I'm being live-streamed now, and, you know, that's interesting, but I really like having him preach. And he brought this up in such a different way, and I, he's a very different human than me. Our brains work very differently. And yet one of the natural questions that comes to a follower of God about prayer is this. If God knows everything then why pray? And my first response to that is, if he knows everything, why wouldn't you pray? Because we're making this philosophical distinction that we're not smart enough to make 
that his sovereignty is somehow separate from our free will. His sovereignty, his knowledge of all things, of your past, present, and future, and of the world, is interconnected with your decisions to follow him and to pray and to ask him boldly. His sovereignty and your free will are inextricably intertwined. One is talked about more prominently in Scripture, his sovereignty, but not at the expense of the other. And so what happens functionally, I'm just going to set aside the philosophy for a second, what happens functionally when we decide God knows everything, therefore I'm not going to pray, is we don't receive the earthly regular benefits of prayer. The word reward makes me uncomfortable because I've heard so much legalistic Christianity in my life, but Jesus was very comfortable saying, you'll be rewarded for practicing what you believe for allowing your heart and your mind to be interconnected. Oftentimes, um, when I hear people pray boldly, they offer this self-correct in the middle of those prayers. But not, your, not our will, Lord, but yours. And that's good. Jesus prayed that. But sometimes we do it too often and miss the many, many scriptures that tell us to pray boldly. I want to discourage you from praying not my will but yours every other phrase of your prayer. Maybe learn other ways of asking for guidance because that's actually what we're doing in our heart, right? When we're in the middle of prayer and we say not my will but yours, it's because we're not quite clear what God's will looks like in the thing that we're asking, whether it be a very uh, broken family relationship or a situation at work or wisdom. It is good to pause and to think while you're praying. And it is good to say, not my will but yours. That's right from Jesus in Gethsemane. And yet sometimes we get caught, and the reason I'm bringing this up in the middle of this part of the sermon is it stops us from boldly asking the Lord to help and to fix to give wisdom. What are we to ask boldly for? The, the Lord's prayer is guided by the rest of Scripture. Some of us come easily and frequently to worship, and for others, it is not always on our mind. That's the first commandment. So we ask the Lord boldly, would you make me, would you help me want to be there and to pray and to sing and to open your word? Some of you are aware of the tendency to look at stuff and elevate it to the point that it can give you peace and comfort. And others of us know that that's an idol, and we ask God to shatter that idol, to help us shatter that idol and put his gospel there. Some of us live with confidence in hymns, commandment number three, and others of us get to boldly ask, Lord, would you... Give me regular confidence in you. The fourth command is that we take one day out of seven to rest and to pray and to play and to cease from our work. We boldly ask God's help and wisdom in how to do that. And all of our lives require creativity in figuring out how to do that because while the world very, is very fond of diversion and recreation, it's not fond of taking one day out of seven for rest. So we ask him boldly to help us follow him in life. 
Jesus gives order to our prayer and he, and he encourages us to ask. I've been saying boldly a lot. That's the third point in my outline. Should have circled it. Don't get to this till you're here. As the disciples were listening to him, they're learning. They're even memorizing what he said because that was the learning style of the day, which is part of the reason that we have the Gospels. And then they see him feed first the 5,000 and then the 4,000. They would immediately catch these references. It's one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. This is God talking to the people of Israel before he has given them any command other than to learn to rest. He's telling them who he is and what he's drawing them into. He says, you yourselves, this is from chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. I'm going to try and tie all this together. When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. It, was, it is a very Jewish prayer. And then when he feeds the people, not once but twice, in very deliberate fashion with them picking up 12 loaves the first time, one for each disciple that doubted. Can you just picture them walking away? I wasn't sure there was enough food. And every one of them has a basket. And then the second time there are seven baskets symbolizing completion. The disciples realized this is the same God. And then their minds go back, at least some of the time, to when we ask for daily provision, that's who we're asking and what we're asking for. The people of Israel, you might remember, uh, complained because they left a land with a lot of provision, though they were slaves there, and then they're wandering in the desert, and they don't know what if they're going to receive daily provision, and they complain. And I love that this is four chapters before the uh, Ten Commandments. After they complained, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. Disciples know the story very, very well, and so then, in Matthew 14, he records this. Now, when Jesus heard this, he was, he was sad about uh, John the Baptist's death. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. A miracle designed to uh, both be compassion and enact what God is doing in the world, and also to help them hear his teaching, among which are we pray boldly for daily provision. Now when it was evening, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Jesus is giving, or Matthew's giving us a little clue that seven is enough. It's a number in the Bible that often reflects completion. Sometimes it's just seven of something, which is also the case here. It was just seven pieces. There's also a clue that there was enough in the hands of the Savior. 
And he said, bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. When the disciples watched and listened to Jesus and heard him speak and bless and multiply the bread and the fish, they knew that what they had was a better Moses. And their minds went back to his command that they ask for daily spiritual provision from the Lord and to do so boldly. Daily provision includes past healing because most of us have stuff in our past that isn't integrated and so we fight, we fly, or we freeze. If you've ever been led to pray for your elders, you should because most of the meetings I have to stop and apologize to them because I have one of these reactions because of my stuff that I'm talking about and praying about and working through and they forgive me and that's probably helpful that we're humans with one another. Do you have recurring dreams? I have one, and it's based on a silly regret from how I handled uh, basketball my senior year, but I'm playing, but I'm, I'm practicing in high school, but I'm 45, so I can't run very fast or jump very high. Sometimes I can't even run at all. That's past stuff. I actually don't have that one anymore because I've apparently processed it and it's integrated in me. That's past stuff. Regrets are part of how we learn from life, but they're also, when we ask God for daily provision, it's to help us understand as best we're able with our limits what's happened to us. And then to integrate it into our lives that we might worship him wholeheartedly and treat the people in our lives with kindness because that's what gets in the way so often, isn't it? It's not what they said. It's what they said that reminded us of what happened to us in the past and suddenly we're really tense. Daily provision includes the past. It also includes today. Have you ever had a day go exactly according to plan? I mean, any day. Every conversation, you had the right amount of water and tea or coffee, kombucha, whatever it is you drink. The conversations were good. When you remembered the griefs from your past, you could address them and move on. You're prepared for the next day. The next day wasn't causing you any anxiety. It's pretty rare, right? That's how desperate our need is to both ask and receive the daily spiritual provision from Jesus when we say, give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus in his parables, especially, wanted us to ask boldly. And here's what that means. With expectation. When you pray about your past, when you pray about your present, when you pray about your future, an expectation that God will move in your heart and beyond what you can see or understand through the power of prayer, which has power in the kingdom that though invisible, has incredible power. Jesus encourages us to pray boldly. He means with expectation. Humility might add a different version of not my will but yours, which is however it needs to happen, Lord. Healing. 
in this relationship. However it needs to happen, Lord, I worry about the future more than I want to. However it needs to happen, Lord, would you heal me of this past stuff? So I ask, do you know what you want? Do you know what you want him to do? Your mind and heart? And if that makes you nervous, let me just assure you, Matthew 6, 1 through 8, you can't manipulate him. If you ask for something that's outside of his will, he's not going to accidentally do it. He takes our prayers and he understands them through the filtered lens of his holiness, which frees us to boldly pray. In my 40s, I'm way less sure of how relationships can be healed. When I was 35, I knew everything. If people would would just sit down over a cup of coffee, we could have repaired all the things. Now, I'm like, Lord, here's all this pain. Would you? And I just pause, and I groan, Romans 8, and I remember that the Holy Spirit's in that with me, and I know that I'm receiving the daily provision from the Lord in that moment where I pause. Because I can't picture it quite like I used to. Because thank God I'm at least a little bit less arrogant. Jesus gives order to our prayers and encourages us to ask boldly for true provision. And that true provision is confidence in him. Daily bread is confident that he loves us, confident that he's for us, that he's strong in ways we have rarely or never experienced in this life from others. Confidence that he is entirely in control over all things, which scares us and confuses us and makes us angry and helps us rest in him because of our limited understanding. The true provision of God is knowledge of him. If you read Matthew 5, you will be convicted about what you need to be guided away from and into in this life. Be it about worship sexuality, kinds of religion, friendship. And the true provision of daily bread has to do with a knowledge of him throughout all the scriptures. That's why I referenced the Ten Commandments, though they're not directly referenced here, but they're indirectly referenced here. True provision is confidence in him, knowledge of him, and then the ability to follow him. Willingness to worship, the willingness to Take a check on where, what things in this life are we looking to in ways we should only be looking to God and then shatter those things. True provision is ability to follow him and to believe that he will actually supply every true and real and good need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. One of the things he's guarding us from in daily provision is too much. Too little, both of the mundane in the world and, no, just of the mundane is what he's guarding us from. Too much of it. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you trust it? When you pray, does it come to mind and settle your heart? That is Jesus' teaching. We all have our ways of resisting it, and yet he draws us back to corporate worship and then to individual times of prayer to remember this. This was modeled beautifully in the school that I went to by 
a Bible teacher that I got along with, mentioned a few weeks ago, one that kicked me out of his class, rightly so. This Bible teacher's name was Doc Blevins, and we did scripture memory, and he was so gracious that before the scripture memory, he would just repeat it over and over and have us repeat it with him, which was a very gracious way to lead 15-year-olds who don't want to memorize the Bible into memorizing it. And I remember him just walking around the room saying, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I memorized it in the NIV, and this is the ESV, which is why I have to look up Do you believe this? This is what God calls to mind when we pray for daily bread. And it is met in the gospel of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we believe. Help our unbelief. We are confused about our needs, but you are not. We are confused exactly how prayer works, but not confused that it is beneficial to us. As we study your word, Lord, together and individually, would it enliven our prayers? As we look to love the neighbors you've put into our lives, would you remind us to to pray for them and for ourselves in relationship with them? Holy Spirit, we thank you for the daily provision of your indwelling power in us. Amen. We're going to sing uh, an extra worship song compared with the other weeks of the month so that parents, you have time to go get your children and bring them back, whether they receive the Lord's Supper or not, to, to bring them in for this family meal.
every tear, every cry, every prayer. In my heart, at my worst, when my world falls down, not for a moment will you forsake me. There's more than one kind of confession for Christians. There's confession of sin where we're releasing to a good God who sacrifice atones for our sins. And then there's confession of what we believe to be true. So I want to um, encourage all of you who are following Jesus, who trust him with your heart and with your decisions, we're going to confess what we believe to be true. Hebrews calls this holding fast to our confession in just a moment with the Apostles' Creed. So if you receive the Lord's Supper, or if you're Jesus's but are still working out, if you profess that he's Lord but haven't yet received the Supper, consider saying the Apostles' Creed with us and considering even along the way if this is what we believe. But those of you, whether you're six or 60, it is good for our hearts and minds to profess what we believe. So after I read the scriptures, we're going to confess not our sins, but what we believe to be true about God. In Matthew 26, the text says this, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples. And said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it. All of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you indeed believe Jesus is who he says he is, God and the one who forgives our sins through trusting faith in him, then this table is for you. 
Before we receive the sacrament, let us confess what we believe through this old but very good creed. Friends, what do we profess about God the Good Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What do we gladly proclaim about Jesus of Nazareth? And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And what do we believe about the church and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Will our servers come up as I pray? And keep an eye on the people around you, and we'll start with the first rows and go back from there to receive after I pray. Father, we thank you for instituting this supper for our nourishment and strength, for the daily provision we need from your Holy Spirit to love you and those you've put into our lives. Amen. theme of my song joy of my heart and the boast of my tongue thy free grace alone from the first to the last won my affections and bound my soul fast Without thy sweet mercy, I could not live here. Sin would reduce me to utter despair. But through thy free goodness, my spirit revived. And he that first made me, so keeps me alive. Thy mercy is more than a match for heart Which wonders to feel its own hardness depart Dissolved by thy goodness, I fall to the ground Weep for the praise of the mercy I found Hallelujah Great Father of mercies, thy goodness, I owe the covenant love of thy crucified Son. 
All praise to the Spirit, whose whisper divine seals mercy and pardon, righteousness of mine. All praise to the Spirit, whose whisper divine seals mercy and pardon, righteousness of mine. Hallelujah. 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 Again, great Father of mercies. Great Father of mercies, thy goodness I own. The covenant love of thy crucified Son. All praise to the Spirit, whose whisper divine deals mercy and pardon and righteousness of mine. All praise to the Spirit, whose whisper divine. Seals mercy and pardon and righteousness of mine. Hallelujah. 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 For a thousand miles away, not for a moment, 
you join me with in just a moment is a beautiful and true description of what we just received from the Lord in his sacrament. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord, amen. I invite you to stand and join us. Who takes our brokenness and makes us whole again? Who turns darkness into light? Only Jesus. Who takes our emptiness and fills us up again? Who traded death to give me life? Only Jesus, no other truth, no other way, no other hope, no other name, who alone is worthy, who alone is holy, only Jesus, only takes our sinfulness and makes us spotless whose blood washes white as snow only Jesus who with his final breath said it is finished 
Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, which we have been doing. By his grace, we'll continue to do as we leave this place. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Go in the knowledge of that promise. Go in peace. Amen.